0: Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Josie Long is a British comedian who began performing stand-up at the tender age of 14, By 17, she was already winning awards from the BBC. In 2006, she was the best newcomer at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. She has since been nominated three times for Best Comedy Show at Edinburgh, and she's making her biggest splash yet in the United States with a two-week run of her show *Carrot Josephine at the Soho Playhouse. I caught up with her between shows to find out if she's a comedy genius or just a straight-up genius. So let's get to it! Josie Long, thank you so much for coming to America.
1: Oh my God, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm so thrilled to be here. <laughs> I was walking around Manhattan yesterday and I kept getting these like visual explosions of pleasure. <laughs> just looking at everything like, oh, it's real. It's all here.
0: But you've been here before. I have, yeah. What no. was
1: what was your first
0: time in America?
1: Um, well, the first time, regardless of comedy, right. the first time I came here, I was... Fourteen years old, and I was on a trip from Junior Mensa in the UK (laughs) with loads of terrifying nerdy children, and it was a it was a hotbed of hormonal activity. (laughs) It was incredible. I um, we went to the Statue of Liberty, Mm -hmm. and I uh, yeah, it was good, it was fun. But then I came here in um, 2007 to do some shows for the first time. Sort of did the odd sort of free little weird gig and stuff.
0: Before I ask about that, Junior Mensa, did you apply for that or did they seek you out? I go wish <laughs>
1: they'd have sought me out. My mum, my God bless my mum, my mum really, really wanted me to be brighter than I was. And there was <laughs> a time, it, I, she just always had me doing IQ tests, right? She was like really believed that I was very bright. And there was like a six week period where I did like an IQ test for Junior Mensa. And then they got in touch with my mum, they were like, oh, my God, we think this child is a genius, right? So then I had to go and do loads of tests. And then at the end, they were like, this child is not a genius. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, oh, cool. Mm. Oh, great. That's good for my confidence. And I think it was like the first test. I think my mum must have been sat there with me being like, do you think it's seven or do you think it's four? Do you think it's seven or do you think it's four? You know. (laughs) Um, so it was a funny little period of my life. Yeah. What
0: What did you think your life was going to be like at that at that point?
1: Oh God, I don't know. I think I was such a little prize pony. Like I loved when I was sort of ten, eleven, twelve. I like loved jumping through hoops. I loved like doing all the tests. I could I loved exams, and then I kind of stopped. <laughs> I like started. I found comedy and really loved that. But I think it was only when I was a little bit older that I was like, I want to be a comedian mm-hmm. more than anything in the world.
0: But but what were you? What were you wanting to be before comedy?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And and to be fair, I've probably wanted to be a comedian since I was about 12, maybe younger. So maybe there was nothing. Maybe all I wanted before then was like, all I really wanted before then was to be allowed to eat as much confectionery as possible at all times. There was Uh. a bakery on my way to school. What What did you
0: think of Willy Wonka? As oh, my child.
1: God. I, Gene Wilder. I was kind of in love with Gene Wilder. because yes. He's so enigmatic in that.
0: I love Gene Wilder, and I was scared of chocolate rivers.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought
0: I would get sucked in and like Augustus Glue.
1: Yeah. So, like, the whole thing is so cruel. And I was thinking about it last night because I was thinking the Oompa Loompas are so judgmental. <laughs> and, like, yes. They've got nothing going on.
0: They're very passive-aggressive.
1: Yeah. Like, look to your own lives, okay? <laughs> yeah. You're working for shit conditions, shit pay for, like, this enigmatic guy. Deal with that. The they're not unionized children yes. yeah <laughs> children make bad decisions yeah get over it Uncle lumpus you've not made good decisions look at your own life terrible
0: uh but i guess you know they don't give out candy factories confectionery, no manufacturing plants to young children and they
1: should they should they'd make great business decisions <laughs> <laughs> what, we, what
0: would you do if you owned
1: if I okay. owned a chocolate factory i yes. think it'd be hellish because now as an adult because of I was such a fat kid, I was a real kind of obese child, and I sort of ruined my body, so I'm uh, insulin resistant now, so it would be hell on earth to Mm. own a delicious chocolate factory, because I would succumb, and I would have days where I was like, ah, and it would be so bad for me.
0: You don't think it would be like um, the American TV show Cheers, where the alcoholic owns the bar and never drinks?
1: Oof. but then isn't there something really sad about that being like y- it's like being a feeder, isn't it? It's like, "Oh no, I won't have any. You have it. Right. You have it." It's not really sad <laughs> you're en- about enabling that. Like, other you people. have it. Let me watch you eat it. Oh, you're enjoying it. Mm, you know, it's too much. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want to be a part of it. So
0: what happened around age 12 to make the comedy light bulb
1: well, kind Brighton. of what's bleak and what I've literally realised as you've asked me that is that was when my parents broke up, oh. <laughs> which are is like, classic comedian. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think I just, I really, really loved, I loved performing and showing off. And I was very big and very awkward, and I really liked deflecting attention, which I know is another classic thing. But I think it was just all of those things. And I was really obsessed, you know, as I think loads of people are, with, like, TV comedy. Uh, anything I could watch, I, I love, and I would, like, stay up late watching, like, they used to show The Kids in the Hall on UK TV late at night, and I used to watch a TV show called The Mary Whitehouse Experience when I was about eight or nine, which in the UK was, like, this kind of cool youth satire show, and I used to stay up and watch that and laugh and just not have a clue what it was about, but just be doubled over laughing, and my dad got me into Monty Python when I was no, a, a kid and stuff, and so it was all stuff like that. I was just obsessed with it, so... I think that's when I really sort of wanted to do it.
0: And then at what point did you start seeking out the theater to perform in?
1: Well, it was a weird thing, my mum, there was a comedy workshop in an arts centre near me, which has since been closed down, And um, they, but not because of me. And they um, have No judgments, um, no judgments. Yeah, please. Mm. I was so good, they had to shut the <laughs> course <laughs> and burn the place to the ground <laughs> and erect it. It's called the Josie um, rule. Yeah, the <laughs> um, yes, it happens with clubs. I say that, you know, when I was a kid, we was, used to go to nightclubs in London, mm-hmm. and they have all been demolished to make way for this new train station. And it does feel a bit like there is a targeted demolition of my <laughs> memories going on, which is a bit worrying. Oh. Uh, but yeah, um, my mum, when I, it was for my 14th birthday, she, there was this workshop mm-hmm. and it was for adults, but she kind of got me on that. And it was brilliant, it completely changed my life. It was like, I found this thing, because up until then, like I'd done drama stuff, but I was sometimes quite nervy and I tried to like learn musical instruments and I hated it and I was shit at it. And But with comedy, it was like, I found this thing that was just, all about excitement and pleasure for me like i just love love it you know
0: how did the rest of the class take to you being so young Oh,
1: they were very sweet there's a woman there who when i met her she was 34 and i was 14 and she's still my friend now and she was so lovely and they were very sweet and protective of me and they would book me gigs on open spot nights Mm -hmm. you know and come with me and stuff and yeah, it was a lovely community, actually. And the guy who ran it was just this lovely guy who, he was like 27 when I first started going. And at that time, that seemed like this wise old sage, you know. And he really looked after me for a good few years. Like, yeah. So any great. Any yeah.
0: of the people from that class go on to
1: pursue it full time? Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the others I had killed. Oh. No, no, there are. I think That's there That's next are. year's show at the Oh, front. God, yeah, bleak, <laughs> innit? I think there are. I can't recall to mind that many of them. But, yeah, then there are some that are writers now. Yeah, there are. Okay. They sti- there are people who still do it. Uh, th- in retrospect, sorry, not that many. Yeah. But I suppose it's because it was like this one little suburb of southeast London, and we were all doing it, and a lot of us were just doing it as a hobby, you know? Yeah. So maybe... But it was really good, it was good, yeah. Uh,
0: When you, you said the first time you came to America as a performer was 2007. Yeah. So that was after the first time you'd gone to Edinburgh.
1: It was, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which was scarier for you?
1: Oh, I, oh God. Uh, I think possibly Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Because Edinburgh was this thing that I'd been building up to for so long in my head. It was all about, for me, like, I had to write an hour-long show. I had to get that done. That was all I wanted to do. And so it did have loads of pressure on me. But in some ways, America, like, especially at that stage, it all just seemed too big and too exciting and far beyond my wildest dreams. So, like, just be doing, like, little open spot gigs in New York, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know. <laughs> and so it was kind of just, I didn't really take it seriously in the same way I suppose I was just so excited to be doing it and also there was just such a thrill to be on stage and be like hello I'm foreign (laughs) (laughs) you know I talk Uh, different yeah 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 here I am (laughs) I'm from London so yeah I think it was um yeah a bit less scary in a weird way and it was definitely just we were just so I was with uh, a boy the boy my boyfriend at the time and he and I were there and we were just both such nerds for American comedy like we loved like listening to uh, Maria Bamford and and Oswald and stuff like that. And so, yeah, g- being in New York. And it was when John Oliver had just moved out there and we um, saw, saw him there and we were just so thrilled and like just taking loads of photographs of ourselves everywhere, just dead excited really.
0: Well, those are such different platforms too, Edinburgh versus, Edinburgh during a one hour mm. run versus New York or other cities in America where you're just popping in for Ten five, minutes, ten minutes, five yeah, ten yeah, minutes. yeah. How much How much does Edinburgh uh, skew a performer's mindset in terms of just developing full shows versus those showcase club sets?
1: Well, I think it, it sort of is becomes a personal thing. You either decide to keep going down that road or you don't. And so some people, they go to Edinburgh, but they really just want a TV show and that's that. You know, or some people, they'll go to Edinburgh once and they'll do a best-of of of their stand-up. And then they'll be like, I did it, it was hard, I hated it. You know, whereas for me, I see it very much as a place where all of my peers and all the people I respect go to get better and a place where people bring their best stuff. and, And so I find it inspiring and crushing and wonderful. And I also... I personally, it's definitely skewed the way I write because I love to do my own shows. I love to kind of create that theatrical experience and I enjoy it. I enjoy kind of putting together a narrative, seeing what I can do. Um, So for me, it works really well because I want to write for that and I want to preview a show there and or premiere a show there and then tour it. And Yeah, it's definitely... And it does mean that I find it harder to write kind of five-minute sets, definitely. But, fuck it. (laughs) What are you going to do? (laughs) <laughs> you know, you do, and you do end up having the odd bit mm-hmm. that is a bit that you're like, great, I've got a good bit, you know, I can do on stuff.
0: I could do that on the telly, here.
1: yeah, yeah, in my dreams, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely.
0: What, what are your dreams at this point?
1: Oh God, uh, I would really, really, dearly love to perform more in the states. I absolutely love it here, and I would love to do more touring and more shows. Um, I wrote a film for myself. To be in that we came really close to making this summer, and then it sort of fell through. And I would dearly love to do that. Um, I would love to make stand-up TV shows. Up. I just—it's weird. Like, I, for a long while, I was like, all I want to do is get better as a stand-up, and now I feel like oh, I really love where I am with stand-up at the moment, and I want to do all kinds of things. And but I guess my dream is always just to have better ideas and get better. And so at the moment, if I could choose anything, I would have loads of really brilliant ideas and write them. <laughs> that would be my dream regardless. But, yeah, I would love to get to make more stuff of in all kinds of mediums. Um, I feel like it takes a while to kind of feel like you've come of age as a performer, and I feel quite... Yeah, like, I would love to write more and do more stuff. But, yeah, I would definitely love to perform more in the States because... So if anyone ever wants to hire me, please hire me. <laughs> I have a visa. <laughs> who was
0: is, who is the first uh, American comedian that you befriended? or um, who befriended you
1: uh oh wow that's interesting the first people so now 10 years ago i think possibly nine i saw eugene merman's mm. show in edinburgh so it was either f it was either five or six yeah i think or seven no it would be five or six and um I just loved it. I loved it so much. I remember loads of it. It was me and it was like, it was in like really like small room and like there were only like, me and my ex-boyfriend um, were just like so amazed. By and like, um, so he might have been the first person that I really met or one of them. And um, I'm trying to think who I've known the longest. There's a woman called um, Daisy Rosario. She was probably my first friend in New York. I'm trying to think. God, I don't know. I don't know who I met first. <laughs> <But> there's people <laughs> like Kurt. No, um, Kurt and Kristen. Kurt, yes. Kurt Brown- uh, and Brownhall and Kristen C- Shaw. Sure. They were on, after my first Edinburgh show, I went to the Melbourne Comedy Festival mm-hmm. and they were also there. And so they were people that I met first and got to know. And, and I suppose I know David. O- oh, yeah. David o- Doherty, who's an Irish comedian, who's absolutely brilliant. He introduced me to the Flight of the Concords, um guys and I was so in awe of them. I saw them in Edinburgh in 2000 and two or one or something ridiculous and me and my friends were all at university still and we were obsessed with them and we used to go and watch them every single night because we just loved when they changed a single word and like yeah so i knew those guys first and like dimitri martin and people like that so i guess it was that lot i suppose but yeah i don't know i don't know the order that i met people but there's definitely a lot of people that i would say and my pals that i really love and
0: well if you think that question's uh Tough on your noggin. How about this one? Who's your best American comedian friend?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Does it, is it allowed to be people who live here but are not Americans? Ooh. Because my friends, Maeve and Claudia, okay. Maeve Higgins and Claudia O'Doherty, they're my great friends and they both live here. What and they're great. They're the best.
0: <laughs> what advice have they given you in terms of doing shows here?
1: Um, it's been more like they're just more supportive than anything. They're okay. just really like kind and come to see the show and are nice about it <laughs> like um i haven't had anyone sit me down and be like if you want to make it here you gotta do this this and this don't do that i think people have been quite nice uh, maybe I'll, i should get someone doing that might be more helpful but uh no i've not really had much advice so i may well be just barking up completely the wrong <laughs> tree. with what i <laughs> uh no i haven't i am um, yeah hmm.
0: yeah uh How is your how is your impression of uh, of uh, of America changed since since coming here first in two thousands?
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Actually, first when you were fourteen. To oh, good.
1: Well, I think I was more frightened of especially New Yorkers. I think I thought New Yorkers were really hard edge, like really intense and like frightening. And whereas now I just sort of feel about all of like especially having been to the West Coast too. But I just feel like Americans are very open and positive and warm. And it's a real thrill to get to perform comedy to people because people do seem that little bit more up for it. Like, in an, it just a little bit more like, oh, is that what you're doing? Wow, cool. How interesting. I am, ex- you, you know, that's exciting to me. Whereas in the UK, a lot of it's like, well, that's not going to work. Why are you doing that? And you're like, please, <laughs> let's just be optimistic here. So it's been fun to meet a lot of people who are very joyful and open and positive and stuff of what they do yeah
0: do you feel comfortable here yet
1: uh i don't know i think i'm it's weird uh, so i'm doing my run this next couple of weeks and i've definitely been more nervy on stage the last couple of nights than i have for years just because i just wanted to come and play here so much and so it really is like a dream to come and be doing a run a show so i think maybe i I'm a little bit like, oh, I just wanted to be good so much, you know.
0: How long did it take for that nervy sensation to subside when you were first starting out in the UK?
1: Years. (laughs) Like, properly years. It's so funny. Only really in the last few years do I feel properly comfortable at home. More like, uh, And I have friends who are the same, but I feel almost like on stage I'm more relaxed than in real life sometimes.
0: Even when three years in a row... The powers that be in Ed, ed are saying you're among the tops huh. of the hundreds of shows. Yeah. You are still...
1: Still feeling... Well, I think it's... It, okay, possibly. I suppose that's probably when I started to feel <laughs> really like I was, you know, justified in being mm-hmm. there. And a little bit more like, well, I'm an adult and I have stuff to say and I'm glad to do this. And I do do this. And it has necessarily sort of been the last sort of three, four years that... Even people who don't like what I do are a little bit more like, well, she does something, you know? And so... <laughs> we
0: gotta respect her for that. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it did take a while. She hasn't quit. Yeah, exactly. She's still <laughs> in the game and we <laughs> have to appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to quit because I've got nothing else in my life.
0: Do you know, uh, do you r- recall at what moment that started to change? Mm. Where you're like, oh this c- this is going to be my life now well i 'm not going to have to work another job
1: ah yeah well i well it's funny because i 've always had this kind of desperate desperate desire to do it, like when I was younger, there was nowhere i didn't i didn 't want to pursue anything else. there was no way I was going to kind of have a plan b i didn't want to train for something and do this in my spare time. I wanted to just go guns blazing, hell for leather with it. And I started doing it when I was a teenager and then I left and went to uni, didn't do much, but as soon as I left uni, it was like, I'm moving to London, I'm gonna gig every night, I'm gonna work every day, temping or whatever, gig, 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 and I have to do this. And then, uh, yeah, 2006, so it was three years in that I finally didn't have to work in temp jobs anymore. And that was such a glorious day was the best
0: well, well tell me about what was that day like what
1: well, what was were you doing well so i i tried to go professional in 2005 when i was and i <laughs> did you sign the papers <laughs> results yeah I, t- I held the jersey <laughs> um but then i was supporting a friend of mine on tour and i just felt like oh my god it's all happening for me and then like the tour finished and i had no money and no work and i was like back to the call centre for a whole other <laughs> year and then I did my show my first ever solo show at the Edinburgh Fringe and luckily for me I won a newcomer award and there was some money that you won mm. and I remember l- it, it occurred to me just about 10 minutes after I'd won that prize because up, up until then one I didn't know there was money at stake and two there was no I just did not think I would win it and so I stood there and like they announced my name and I was like oh my god And then, and then yeah it was just about half an hour after that I was like oh my God, I can pay my rent for like five, six months. Like I'm really prudent, like six months. Like if I don't have to go back to what? And it was literally like (laughs) I left, it was, I was just about to know that I was gonna go back home skint and fucked and then suddenly I didn't. And then ever since then, touch wood, it's all been all right and (laughs) been really wonderful for that fact, like. Nice. Yeah, it's it nice it's nice not to have to ring up people and interview them about their musical tastes for a market researcher
0: <laughs> no leave that leave that to me No, <laughs> that but it's no but I mean <laughs> calling up people and asking them do you do I mean I I target mine I only ask comedians what ha! they
1: do you should, uh, uh, you should uh, on a scale of one to five what kind of where what brand soap do you use <laughs> <laughs> and that where ten is the most satisfied and one is the least satisfied where would you place yourself I don't know. If you had to, though, well, d- I don't know what I would do. Yeah, but if you had to. <laughs> oh, my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, just satisfied. Okay, so would you say that was a 10? No, satisfied. Okay. okay, but what we're doing is we're using the scale here. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you enjoyed that job? Well, actually. <laughs> it sounds like you actually did enjoy job. As 10
1: jobs <laughs> went, that was the best one. Like, there was one where I had to interview men between. F- 45 and 55 in the northeast of england about their favorite rock music and it was honestly one of the best jobs i've ever had they would always be like oh i love talking to you love and they were like so flirtatious with me and there was one where i had to interview wealthy women about their horses Ooh. yeah and it was like how much satisfaction do you get from your horse which in itself was a question like was hilarious yeah. to me so it was it was all right i've had worse much worse i had to give out flyers in a shopping center advertising a different identical shopping center that was half a minute down the road to people and they'd all be like why and i'd be like i don't care there (laughs) are people who
0: do that but for comedy clubs Mm -hmm. Uh, does does that happen in london too it does
1: in leicester square you see them yeah it's not great
0: Uh, do they do do the barkers still Uh, Try to get you to go to a show?
1: Yes. That happened to me uh, the night I got here, actually. I was walking past uh, a place I'm not sure where, actually, and this guy came up to me. He was like, there's great comedians. And in my head I was like, he doesn't know. I'm also a comedian. I'm a spy. (laughs) (laughs) He'll never know. It was very exciting. So you didn't blow your cover? No, I didn't. I was like, oh, comedy, eh? I hate that. (laughs) I never see that shit.
0: It is it is kind of wild to <laughs> to see that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh where else in America have you performed at this point?
1: So I have done I've done stuff for Max Fun podcasts. I've done okay. their conference in Lake Arrowhead. I've oh. done a c- cruise they did. Uh, going from Miami to the Bahamas which was literally the coolest thing that has ever happened to me for someone to ring up and be like hey do you want a free cruise in the Caribbean where you'll perform and people will be kind to you and there's buffets literally all day and all night and I was like yes more than anything in the world Uh, I've done stuff in LA stuff in New York um, stuff in San Francisco I think that's everywhere so far but I'm I'm going to do I'm going to do a couple of support slots for Eugene Merman in November in LA and Boston and uh, no Portland and Seattle so that's very exciting for me I've never been there
0: that is exciting for the um, Maximum Fun uh, conference did you also give a, t- a pep talk or a lead a seminar no, or did you I just I perform
1: I just performed but I would love to I love that sort of thing I like the fact they've got elements that you can go and learn stuff very, it's very cool
0: if you were to have a group of performers or creative types in a room what would you want to tell them
1: Oh God, I don't feel. I don't feel like I have much to impart. I, I, my new thing at the moment is I really want people in Britain to set up things that are non-commercial and that are society and are community-based. So that'd be my main thing. It would be like, please listen. Just set something up. If it's a reading group or a breakfast club or a free dinner, just do something. Please, just do something that is free. Com- uh, like, and it might be talking about that. Like, I, I like talking quite a lot about politics and what I think society is and. What I feel we could all do to make things better and stuff, but then you have you run the risk of being preachy. So it would have to be from the angle of I am an idiot clown who does things badly, and <laughs> you will do things better than me.
0: You do have plenty of catchphrases, though.
1: Oh, I do. Thank you. <laughs> I got great, great what's catchphrases. What's
0: the last uh, great catchphrase of someone else's that oh. you've that you've loved?
1: I don't know. Oh. I can't think of any that I really would adopt.
0: Or like mottos or life oh. advice
1: well we uh, we have this thing for my charity which is sometimes if you want something to exist you have to make it yourself and that's i think very important like sometimes you if you really think about the things you want to exist in the world most of the time they're not there yet. and if they are there then you are a basic idiot <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but like if you know it's good to it's good to create things and there's a thing that me and my friend wrote to try and cheers, cheer ourselves up which was we do what we can like sometimes you just have to go I did what I could and I'm not magic, I'm some idiot. I like saying I'm not magic <laughs> as well. I'm like, I'm not magic. I can't do this, <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: good. I'm only a human.
1: Yeah, and I'm not even a great human. I'm just a mid-level human.
0: Hmm. don't sell <laughs> yourself short. Ha,
1: I'm a low-level, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, catchphrases.
0: What advice would you give uh, to anyone who hasn't done a show in Edinburgh but they want to,
1: do it sooner rather than later. People, Some people are like, oh, I will do one, but I just think I need three or four more years, blah, blah, blah. You don't. Do it sooner rather than later and do it on your own terms. Think about the venue. Think about what you can do to the room in that hour. Think about how you might decorate it. Think about how you might make that different. You know, think about exactly what you would want to say and give and do and what experience you would most love. You know, imagine really like if you're bespoke making it for yourself, what would you do? And then fucking go for it, hell for leather. Don't compromise at all, don't be frightened, do exactly what you feel you must be doing and enjoy it, really enjoy it. And don't think about it in terms of what you'll get from it. Don't be like, I need to get a TV show or I need to do this, that, the other, because it's not what it's it's about. (laughs) It's not what being a comedian is about.
0: Now, how much of that advice is also applicable to you or any other quote-unquote foreigner coming to America.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, is it the
0: same advice or is it I slightly different? Oh,
1: God, I don't know. I don't know because I'm just some clueless idiot who's pitched up here with a dream and a and a luggage bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what the right thing to say about coming to America is. I, But I think, I suppose, I try and treat everything in the same way, and that is you're doing it out of the love of doing it and you're doing it because you feel like this is the thing you think you should be doing. So with this show, I love it and I just wanted to perform it as much as possible and I wanted to bring it here. So I don't really know, maybe, like uh, me and my friends made these short films, right? And they're both like 20 minutes long. And we sent them off to all these film festivals and we've got loads of rejections. And we were like, oh, they must be shit. And then someone said to me like, you know that they need to be like five minutes long or, less than 15 minutes long otherwise film festivals can't use them like they need short things and i was like ah no we were just making what we liked like oh oh and i think like so it's not necessarily the way to instantly other things leading from it but that's what i liked about stand-up i like the fact that it's an end in itself you know it's this brilliant thing that you love and you do and yeah yeah.
0: Well you're pretty gosh darn good at it ha,
1: Thank you so much, and that's it, so nice And it
0: was a delight talking to you love
1: Oh, oh, oh my god, you sound like a chimney sweep. <laughs> oh thanks so much for having me
0: Oh it's my pleasure Last
1: Things
0: First This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First Was produced by Alex Brezel at Showbiz Studios